2: What is up, IDP Army? What is up, Fancy Football Fanatics? Jermaine Jordan Reigns at 50 Shades of Drunk. Thank you for joining us. If it's your first time here, this is the IDP Army Podcast, Dynasty Defenders. Um, Today, we got a good show. We're going to be talking about the top 10. NFL draft prospects. We're going to try to cover each position. Just give the top player at that position. Y'all know I'm not big into college football, not huge in the draft process. So I brought on a, a buddy who, who does know the situation. You know what I'm saying? He's going to give us the DL. So Before I bring him in, though, make sure you are subscribed to both of our podcast feeds if you are not to one make sure you do the other the links and all that are in the descriptions of of both so like i said we're going to talk about the top 10 players coming into this nfl draft you know kind of at the top positions and how they may relate to your favorite team or how they may relate to your favorite dynasty team you know more importantly so we're gonna go and bring him in i got another jordan jordan vanik over here how you doing brother
3: i'm doing good how about yourself
2: I'm good, man. It's always good to see another Jordan. You know, I've told you when we saw each other at Senior ball, you know, it's 23. It's that Jordan year. So <laughs> you're the Jordan. We can't be stopped. You know, the energy today is hopefully infectious. But I'm excited mm-hmm. to learn, you know, from you. You're somebody who watches football, you know, from a football perspective, but also from a fantasy perspective. And that's a unique value add, you know. So I'm really excited to have you on here to kind of talk through who you like in this class, And right before we came on, I mentioned too, I forgot, you're a Panthers fan. So this draft is really intimate and close to your heart. So let's just go ahead and without further ado, dive in. You know, who is your top quarterback in this class? um, Or even before that, what's up? How you been? Tell us where to find your work and all that. You got any mock drafts out there?
3: I have been holding one of my mock drafts. I'm going to be doing it on Thursday and release it. I'm only a one mock draft type of guy because I just don't like wasting time. And I feel like a lot of mock drafts from a few months ago are there. You can find all my work at the 33rd team. I will be uh, the head of DFS over there. So if you need DraftKings, FanDuel, so some of the showdown, any of that type of stuff, you'll see a lot of my content pop up there. I'll be breaking down receivers, doing some long shot receiver plays towards the actual season. But for now, I've just been cutting up these rookies and diving deep into them. But as far as my top quarterback. It's very tough this class. There's a lot of good ones. I think you can go in a few different directions, but based off of what I've heard from CJ Stroud and some of the, you know, S2 stuff, and I'm not saying that's the end all be all from a film perspective. He is the best thrower in this class. He can hit all three levels accurately. Um, But as far as my best quarterback I think Anthony Richardson is the most talented quarterback in this class. He is a freak of nature. I think he has the highest ceiling. It's just a matter of whether he gets there or not. As far as my Panthers, I think it's fine to take Bryce Young. I like everything he does on the football field. Obviously, his height is a concern, but he doesn't throw the ball short. So, like, there's a stat that I remember a few years ago. Joe Flacco and Brock Osweiler had the most batted balls of any quarterback. They're 6'6". They're big guys. They shouldn't be getting their passes bad at the line of scrimmage. It's because the way their arm motion works. If you watch Bryce Young, his arm release, like his uh, launch angle is much higher. So I'm not really concerned about his height. I think he's going to be fine. I think he is the safest prospect in this class because out of the top three, he can diagnose coverages a lot better than them. I saw him make a lot more checks at the line of scrimmage, put guys in position to win. It's you can't really go wrong with a top pick. I think it's Bryce Young from what Vegas has said. So I'm rocking with my guy, Bryce Young.
2: So you like Bryce Young. That was that who you would like them to take? I
3: would, based on what we gave up, I hope it's Bryce Young. I know Anthony Richardson, I said, is the best prospect, but being the best prospect doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the best pro. And I'm afraid of the assets we gave up to take a risk like Anthony Richardson in this draft.
2: No, that that makes sense. You're, you know, I I kind of agree with you. If the Panthers were in a little bit different of an organizational situation where they could kind of take that risk on, maybe, you know, they could. I wanted to bring up something too, you brought up, which is again, this is my favorite thing about talking to football people and bringing things into fantasy. Like he's, you know, six foot tall, but you're talking about, the throwing angle, you know, his release trajectory, like he's not throwing down and Brock Osweiler, tall guy, he's going to be inclined on those short routes to come down with the ball. You're right on that throw trajectory. But if he's back there in the pocket a little bit more, it makes sense that his natural angle, and that's something that you are keyed into that maybe people that are just reading the spreadsheets may not see. I'm sure you do that too. So I love that little tidbit right out the gates there on the quarterbacks, because that's the big knock that I have heard on Bryce young is with tit for tat, you know, it really is just that height thing. And some guys are I've heard, you know, some guys that I kind of respect were like, if it was me, I would go with the taller guy. Um, you know, and then Richardson would be next. But I think it's gonna be interesting. It always is when the when the clock actually gets running, we're always kind of a little bit shocked or you know, freaked out. You know, you never really know what's gonna happen. And there's a lot of turmoil in the league right now, especially at the quarterback position. So I'm excited. Hopefully, you guys, whoever you pick, you know, for the Panthers, it ends up being the right guy uh, because they have, you know, they've been they've been in a weird situation for a while. Unfortunately, it's been a while since that Cam Newton MVP season, and there hasn't really been much to be excited about since then. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So let's go ahead and move on to the next position. Let's go wide receiver. Is, is Jackson Smithing Jigba your top receiver in this class?
3: So coming into it. Before the combine numbers started to come in and, you know, I got to see that Jordan Addison weight and it shied me away from having him as my lockstep one and seeing JSN's athleticism on the three cone and 40 yard dash, not necessarily being the absolute swing. I felt like they were in the same tier for me, but with what JSN did, it's it's him at the number one position because he is simply the most ready day one prospect, he's going to come in and essentially I think he's going to be a Monroe St. Brown. He has the ceiling to get to the Cooper cup type of player where he's going to be a slot and he can also play out wide, but I want him in the slot. He dominates in the slot. And from my film, like breakdowns and stuff, intellectually, he's the smartest route runner in this class. What I mean by that is when he's running his routes, he knows how far to take his route up the field. He knows what coverage is coming his way and where to find the soft spot there are multiple plays as a true or a freshman at ohio state with garrett wilson and chris olave where a team would be in a specific coverage and you see jsn know exactly how far to get on a crossing route and just be a behind those linebackers in between those safeties and it created a lot of throwing lanes which is why he's so successful I'm not really concerned about that Rose Bowl, or too hyped about the Rose Bowl game where he went for, I believe, like 300 yards. Utah had a running back playing corner in that game, and Ohio State just kept abusing his side of the field. So overall, like JSN, I think day one is an immediate impact, and I think he's going to be a great pro immediately and possibly be another rookie receiver that ends up being a wide receiver one, depending on his landing spot.
2: Ooh, that would be nice. That would be nice. Okay. So I have a couple of questions there, but first, what, what about landing spots? What do you, what are you projecting and what do you like? And then third caveat to that, like, what would be the worst spot? Like well, it's like, ah, damn, like that's not what we want.
3: I think he will land with the Texans. I think the Texans are going to go two best players available. I think at number two, they're going to go Will Anderson. And then at their pick, I think they go JSN. I don't think they go quarterback in this draft based on how things shake out and for me that's fine i've watched a kyle shanahan style of scheme just work with a lot of quarterbacks i know it doesn't always flow it's not always going to be perfect right away but i think jsn going to the texans he's immediately their best player at the or pass catcher and i think that davis mills he's not great he's not a world beater at the quarterback position but with a good scheme and just getting the ball to JSN, I think it'll work. And for fantasy, like we only care about volume. We don't care about the win loss record. We don't care about the overall, you know, if he throws 40 touchdowns, I'm not projecting Will Davis Mills to be great. I'm projecting JSN to be great. And I think you'll have a high reception floor if he goes there. Another good landing spot would be the Packers just because he would complement that receiving core extremely well. And the worst landing spot to me is Tennessee. I hope he does not end up there because I just don't like what they do offensively, I don't like their quarterback position, and I want Traylon Burks to just be the only guy there.
2: The only thing that I can find redeeming about Tennessee is Vaibrol, and even he has gotten under my skin so much lately. I'm just like, I don't, I can't even root for your team to win anymore, my guy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, they, they've hurt my Chiefs a lot in the past, so I won't get too deep into it, but uh, all right, so. I feel like we're going to stick on this too long, but I do want to talk about this wide receiver because you brought up a couple of names too Jarvis Landry, Amon Ross, St. Brown. And then you said slot. That brought up to me, you know, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and even Tyreek Hill at times were put into this kind of slot player narrative where we thought maybe that would hold them down. I know I saw Tyreek Hill do a lot of really special things out of the slot. I know I saw, you know, we heard Justin Jefferson might be relegated to that kind of a situation. So it's interesting to me, like you said, I feel like. I feel like we keep kind of putting these quiet caps on him, but I'm kind of getting a little excited about JSN. Um, I feel like if his overall career upside is Landry, that worries me because Landry is more of like a consistent guy. But again, with that skill set thing that you were describing, with the finding the spots on the field, that reminded me again of Adam Thielen. That reminded me of Tyreek Hill. You know, these guys who just, they find that two or three yard space where if they put their body there, there's eight or nine yards everywhere around them. And somehow they can just see it and they understand it. So that's one of these fascinating things that, um, you know, and as a route runner, like you said, if you know where to go, you're going to get open, deep, wide, out, whatever it may be. So um, that's your top guy, you said, for the wide receiver position. Now, I I did notice that he – I don't want to linger here too long, but I did notice that he wasn't necessarily always the top guy. There was another – was it Johnson, Quentin Johnson? Was he the top guy for a little while? Or was there – there was one other fellow whose name I. Um, Oh. evades me.
3: Jordan Addison was mine. I'm not a big Quentin Johnson fan. I did see a lot of people throughout the community talk highly of Quentin Johnson. I just, I see a guy that makes a lot of contested drops. He's a, he's quote unquote a bigger bodied receiver. I was supposed to be similar to DK Metcalf. He came in 6'2, and I think it was like 212 pounds, which is about 40 pounds lighter and three or two inches smaller than DK Metcalf. So it's like, I think he, has a chance from a ceiling perspective to be like a Roddy White at the next level. But that's going to be a lot of refining in a lot of areas that he's going to have to do. I think Quentin Johnson is more of a project than people are really going for. And I think a landing spot needs to be with a staff that's going to be there for multiple years and a receivers coach that's going to work with him. I think if he can find his way into, or if he can go in the second round to a team like the New York Giants, that would be a very good landing spot for what he would be asked to do right away and developmental, because I think Dable will be there for a long time.
2: Nice. Nice. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that insight on those guys. Um, I'm literally just now starting to kind of compile my research. I got these rookie drafts coming up. Um, you know, I probably gonna be drafting a lot of Jonathan Mingo, but we won't get into the weeds on old Mingo right now. Um, but let's go ahead and talk running back and let's just forego the Bijan Robinson conversation. That's not my world. I'll never have him on any of my fantasy teams for the next two, three years. So I don't really care. Um, and we all know he's the top guy. So talk to me about these next guys. So for me in my head, from what I've kind of seen, it's, um, Jameer Gibbs and then it's Ch- Chabernet or is it Cabernet? I think it's Charbonnet charbonnet okay that's i was a uh, you know i did service industry yeah, yeah. pouring those ch- Chardonnays in the afternoon for the ladies um all right so which one of those guys is your two and you know kind of the same caveat questions what's your intuition what's the data say and then what's the perception and then like maybe some pros cons landing spots
3: for me it's a big gap between jameer gibbs and charbonnet and the reason okay. is is because when i talk from a like running back position it's Charbonnet, I think, could be a producer that is giving you, you know, your four yards per carry for or four to five yards per carry. He can handle a big workload getting, you know, 20, 20 carries. I think he's very good in between the tackles from just a, he, like, he can get it done, but I don't think he's special. I think he's a guy that I wouldn't be willing to spend, um, I guess, high of Day two capital on him. I think he'll be a late day two pick to a team that just you know like if the Bengals were in, don't take a running back in day one, going him in day two. Where if they let go of Joe Mixon, he's a guy that's going to understand where to go. He's going to give you four yards. He's not going to give you many games where he goes for you know 100 yards rushing, but he's going to be competent enough. He's going to be very good in between the tackles. He's not going to create negative rushing plays. But the reason why I have Jameer Gibbs so much higher than him is because Jameer Gibbs is special. I think he is a Jamar or Charles type uh, Jamal Charles type prospect where he can hit the home run play. He has such a high escape like ability where he will make you miss and then do not lose speed. But I think a spot for him that's been a lot of rumblings is the Miami Dolphins. If they can move up in the second round to get him, I would love that landing spot because I know what type of scheme McDaniels or McDaniel wants to get done. And then with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Jameer Gibbs,
2: that would be the fastest team I think. Chosen one, watched. Robbie Anderson. You forgot Chosen one, Chosen. Robbie Anderson. Don't forget Chosen
3: Robbie Anderson or Chosey, Chosen Anderson would also Chosen be the Anderson. third there. But uh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs is my two, and he's just he's a special player who, when he gets outside of the tackle, he's gone. It's it's special type of speed.
2: All right. So Gibbs is your guy. And when you say there's a big gap between Cabernet and Gibbs or Char- Charbonnet, I'm sorry. What was the Charbonnet, 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 Charbonnet. Do you mean like the talent gap, but like in the right situation from like a fantasy perspective, or even a career perspective, you know, like we all know, for instance, that obviously Deandre Swift is more talented than Antonio Gibson, but from a fantasy point of view, It's been a little bit nicer to have Gibbs, it seems, over the last few years with the touches, with the playing through injuries, et cetera. So maybe just to distill that down before we go to the next position, tight end, everybody's favorite fantasy position to fight over. um, You know, in the right situation, you know, could we see, you know, Charbonnet be somebody who could surpass Gibbs in a fantasy format sort of mindset?
3: Yes. No, definitely. From a, This is just from a talent perspective. From mm-hmm. fantasy, it's all that it matters is how much volume you're getting, because Tyler Jalier was a very good fantasy running back. He's not a top 10 running back in the NFL, but if Atlanta doesn't go B. John Robinson and they keep Tyler Jalier, he'll probably be a top 12 running back in fantasy, because he's in a system that works, run blocking's good, and it's a team that loves to run the football. Nice, nice.
2: All right. Well, I wasn't going to do this because it's kind of mean, but I'm Jordan. He's Jordan. The guy leaving the comments, his name's Jordan. So you're getting a shout, my guy. Guy on the (laughs) left, that's me. Doesn't know how to pronounce the name of some of the biggest rookie prospects. Yeah, I don't watch college football. I open with that. Uh, I'm not ashamed. You know, if he wins me some leagues, that's fine. I'll learn to know his name then. Maybe I'll have his jersey here for too long if he does does it right. But had to give another Jordan a shout out because it's just the right thing to do. 23, you're the Jordan. Um, Showing some love. All right. Talk to me about these tight ends, because I've seen a lot of the RAS score and then the fantasy. You know, you, you know, the tight end conversation in fantasy. We're all trying to we're all trying to distill that perfect whatever it is. Nobody's figured it out yet. We, we know. So everybody's a mad scientist. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me about these guys. There's the, the Michael M- Mayer.
0: I yep, know the Michael guy that,
2: yep, from Notre Dame, right? Yep. Then there's Luke Musgrave. He was a senior and he was at the senior bowl. Correct. Yep. And then who's the other really big name? Is Colin there a third KK? That's it, Dalton Kincaid. So kind of talk me through this position. Who's your top guy? And then same thing, intuition, data, perspective.
3: From a fantasy perspective, it's Dalton Kincaid, and it's not really close because you want your tight end to be able to play the slot. And the reality is Dalton Kincaid is the best receiving tight end in this draft. Michael Mayer is a very safe prospect. He can get it done blocking. He can get you your, you know, he can be an open target in the open field. He knows kind of where to sit in some soft zones. Um, I'm not a fan of Luke Musgrave because of just he had a plenty of injuries throughout his college days and he's still a raw prospect where it's not so much of, you know, easy he can plug and play right away. I'm not really into him, but I think Kincaid from a fantasy perspective, like he's the first tight end. Um, well, Kyle Pitts was a unicorn of a prospect, but Kincaid as a receiver, I think he's going to work. I think he's going to be totally fine at the receiving position. I look at him and I feel like he could be a Zach Ertz where you have another tight end that's blocking for him and letting him just play free, get into the slot. I think a team that if they don't go receiver or if they were able to kind of find a way and get him in the back end of the first would be the Packers would be a nice landing spot because they have a tight end that can block and then they can have him work the middle of the field. Um, Again, this tight end class is probably the best top to bottom that we've seen in a very long time whether they develop into being these guys that we see with travis kelsey is another statement again travis kelsey is freaky but kincaid as a receiver i think could develop into that role if he's put in the right spot and given a situation where you see kelsey gets to work the middle of the field if they have a really good slot receiver that's not going to be the case like he's going to have some battles early on but Towards the end, like, you know, once we get year three year four, I think he could develop into a guy that can handle 100 targets, be able to get some real tight end production at the fan- or fantasy.
2: Nice, nice. All right. So Dalton Kincaid, that's the fantasy name to keep in mind. So you don't like Luke Musgrave. Now, Again, I, you know, I see the, the talks on Twitter. The talk on Twitter is, you know, he's like the most athletic tight end, you know, R.E.S. like nine, nine something. Um, and that usually transfers over, you know, correlation, you know, is not necessarily causation, etc. So you have to kind of discern what, what you're looking at there. So the upside and the 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 metrics push that he could be that guy, but you're kind of saying he's a little bit less refined of a, of a of a of a football player, and that may be indicative of the senior year um uh, but you know that isn't taking away from his athleticism so of the in and overall, this class is actually really good so. How many guys do you think will go in the first round? You know, I was kind of I was listening to something recently, um, and I thought I heard make maybe two or three, and that felt like a feels like a lot of tight ends in the first round for me. But again, I'm not up to date. So, do you think Luke Musgrave could make his way up there? Um, and but again, I just want to reaffirm: Kincaid is your top guy, and where where was it like the a, a best spot for him as a rookie? Maybe
3: Kincaid would I think best spot would be Packers. I think that's a team that he could work the middle of the field for if they don't go receiver. So. That's kind of the spot you need. You need a spot where the slot player isn't as great because that gives them the open door to be working that middle of the field and being the guy. So you want that for your tight end position. But as far as how many tight ends can go in the first, I think it's two. I think it's Mayer and Kincaid. I think the tight end that I would rather have over Musgrave is Sam LaPorta. Um, Watching him after the catch is awesome. He loves contact and he breaks tackles and stuff. Coming from Iowa, he played out wide. He played in the slot. I think a spot for him would be like the Miami Dolphins. So, Packers maybe. Miami Dolphins are another team where I know they have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waller that work the middle of the field. But I know Mike McDaniel and having that tight end where it can actually be utilized as a safety net because a lot of people thought Mike Geseki was going to be good because this guy coached George Kittle, but Gasecki isn't. Doesn't get separation. Uh, Luke, I think Sam Laporta and you know some of the other tight ends would be that type of dude. Um, Another tight end that I like is Darnell Washington from Georgia. He's a freak of nature. If, we're, if we want to go by
2: freaks, I want him over Luke Musgrave. All right, all right. Appreciate that information. All right, before we jump into the defensive side of things, everybody, y'all know this is the IDP Army channel, so we do cover defense from a fantasy perspective as well. Uh, you can check out the rankings. You can scan a little QR code. You can click the link in the description. We would love to have you in there. Uh, the index is looking fresh. Um, so I'm excited to hear about some of these rookies at the defensive positions and I guess we'll just start with the, the the defensive tackle not necessarily a position that's usually big for IDP but even some of these rookies you know like uh, Jordan Davis last year I was kind of shocked when I was going back and doing my research at how little he got on the field last year for the Eagles you know so I was just a little bit curious about you know that kind of he was that top end guy didn't really play a lot now granted Eagles have like the most dope defensive line of all time. So it's like hard to put everybody out there. And when you're a rookie, you're going to, you know, obviously be sitting behind some of these guys that are out there, um, you know, Javon Hargrave, for instance, and who else is out there? Um, Brandon Graham. And then you have the guys off the edge. So that was a little bit, but, but even guys like Derek Brown going back a couple of years, we're not seeing pan out for a big kind of like fantasy uh, situations. But then you have guys like Quinn and Williams, you know, who's a little bit more of an aggressive pass rushing type interior guy. What are we getting with, and I'm assume, I'm assuming just going to go ahead and assume that Jalen Carter is your top defensive tackle. What kind of player are we going to be getting, or what kind of player will whoever drafts Jalen Carter be getting?
3: I think it's more of a Javon Hargrave type of uh, player where they're going to be able to get interior pressure. Um, I think Jalen Carter is, well, I thought Jalen Carter was the best player on Georgia's defense last year, and that was a defense that had the number one overall pick. Had Jordan Davis going the first, had Nicobe Dean, had so many players go in the NFL right away. But I think Jalen Carter was a player that when he gets on the field, it's it's scary. I, I think that getting Jalen Carter into a spot where Seattle, Seattle would be a very good fit. They're, I think, moved over to a 3-4 type of scheme now. Um, getting him in that defense like hybrid D-tackle defensive end role. They got Draymond Jones to play. On the other side, Like I think that would be a really good landing spot getting him to the lions with Aiden Hutchinson would be phenomenal just because having those two talented players on the defense line is going to wreak havoc in that division, especially when, you know, the Vikings are just getting, allowing their quarterback to just get hit repeatedly. So
2: that's cousin's the, whole career. That's yeah. cousin's whole career. It's amazing that he hasn't missed. I mean, he's almost never missed again. I don't think he's ever missed a game. It's insane. Yeah. He um, just
3: continues to get hit. It's yeah. Scary.
2: And he and he ain't built different, like Kirk Cousins ain't yeah. built different.
3: He just knows how to fall, it seems he knows how to get tackled and just like lay down, and, like get cradled.
2: He been get, he's like Steve Rogers, like I could do this all day. Like he just he knows he's gonna get hit. He just like this is what it is.
3: Yeah, but yeah, no, Jalen Carter, I think, is the best interior defensive lineman that we've had in a little bit. And I think I mean the off-the-field issues is another thing. I don't speak on players like that because I don't know him personally, I have no idea. What he's like, all I know is, as a football player, he if there wasn't off-the-field issues, there's a real chance the Bears stay at one and draft him because of that, how good he is at being a defense tackle, wreaking havoc interiorly.
2: Wow, nice. Well, that's good to know. Sounds like he's going to be an aggressive guy, definitely somebody that's going to push pressure to the outside, get some free cleanup sacks. Hopefully he gets on the field quite a bit. Um, And who was the team you said you wanted him to go to there? Uh, the, I think the, the Lions. The Lions, Lions would be great with Aiden Hutchinson. I love that. I love what the Lions are doing. The Lions are, I mean, they're kind of, everybody's like, they're my Lions now, but that's kind of been like the joke for a while. But it's like, I mean, if you don't like the Lions, I got questions for you. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you like the Lions? Like, they have only fun guys on their team, period. Like, if you can't root for these guys, something's wrong with you. Um, so, and putting Jalen Carter on that team, you know, and again, getting a, you know, kind of a gift, you know, maybe drop because of these off field issues. And just to speak to that, you know, to not, to not speak to it. You, everyone who watches knows life. sometimes you just, things happen. You're just in a place and a thing happens and it's just like, Oh my gosh. You know I mean? Like that's life. Yeah. Um, we were not going to hold that, you know, you know, he's, this is still his life. He's got to go through the draft process. He's played football for Georgia and he just, he's going to keep living no matter what. So, yeah. um, We'll, we'll, you know, we'll hold, we'll hold uh, any sort of, you know, judgment from that. Just, you know, it is what it is. This is, this is life guys. Um, All right. So let's talk about the defensive end position. Um, I know we have a few cool names come here, coming off the edge, not necessarily like a monster, like talent wise class from what I'm kind of understanding, but it seems like there's a kind of a a pretty good grouping here of guys, you know, you're going to be able to get somebody and probably get some production out of them. Um, what can you tell me about the defensive ends, or I guess outside linebackers, depending on where they end up going? Um, who who do you like? Who's your top guy, and then who's maybe fighting right behind him? Uh,
3: Will Anderson. Uh, Will Anderson is a complete prospect. I, I think from a, he could play the defensive end role. He could be the three-four outside linebacker. I think day one you're getting a Von Miller, Aldon Smith type of player where he's going to be immediately producing. That final year at Alabama, he got moved more interior than he was previously and it hurt his uh tackles for loss and sacks but if you just look at his 2021 film or i believe yeah 2022 film sorry phenomenal uh will anderson was one of the best ple- or heisman candidate he was someone that was getting after quarterback repeatedly he was someone that was creating tackle for loss i loved will anderson i thought he was the best alabama defense alignment that i have ever watched and I am a huge Alabama fan. I've watched plenty of Alabama players throughout the years. Jeron Payne, um, you've got uh what you call it? You got Jonathan the, Allen, yeah, just or Courtney Upshaw. Like I've watched Perfect. years of years of Alabama football, and Will Anderson is the best prospect that we've put out from that position, which is why I think you'll go number two overall to the Houston Texans and Lovey Smith will get a guy that he could use similar to what Bosa was like, where he's going to get him isolated as much as possible, allow him to use his speed off the edge, allow him to be playing one-on-one with tackles and be able to get some huge stack production. I think Will Anderson is the best edge. I don't have a guy fighting necessarily close to him, but if I had to say the number two, it's Tyree uh, Wilson from Texas Tech. He's a freak. LeBron James, he's someone that is just a specimen at the defensive or edge position. Very raw, doesn't use his hands very well yet. And I think he's a guy that like getting him to Seattle, uh, getting him in a spot where I know the coaching staff is going to be there for a little while. I know they're going to be working with him. It's going to take some time, but if it's, you know, if he picks it up quick, then you're getting a guy that's the specimen. But now he can play football at a high level. That's some scary
2: stuff. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh <clears throat> sports reference page. I mean you were aligned, tackles for loss is what I always like to look at too. Thirty one tackles for loss in the SEC in twenty twenty one. I mean, that's 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 not that's not human. Y'all, that's not normal stuff, Um, no. you know, for people that don't look at tackle for loss numbers. And then this year he comes back, has 17. I mean, I saw 17 first and I was like, damn, that's a lot. And then I look up the year before, I was like, oh, I almost fell on my chair over here. So like you said, he is a disruptor. He is making plays behind the line of scrimmage, um, you know, using his hands. He, he, the thing is, the great thing is, you know, these guys are still – prospects their books are still being written he's like you said a good coach you could get their hands on him and he's going to get those hands he's going to add that to his repertoire you know three pass deflections a couple years ago too one this year i love guys that are defensive ends that are willing to throw their arms up you know bat those passes down hopefully somebody around them snatches it out of the sky if nothing else i mean it's almost as good as a tackle for loss they're not going forward at all so i, I like to see things like that and you know it do you think Will Anderson is going to be a dynamic kind of player? I asked him. Who did I ask? The guy from Army. Who was the defensive end from Army that just kind of fell a little bit? Carter? Oh, yeah. Jaylen I forgot. Carter? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know, I think it's Jalen. Is it Jalen Carter? I think it's Jalen Carter. I asked him at the Senior Bowl, you know, what do you think about – and I asked Isaiah Foskey. Andre too. Carter. Andre Carter. It, Andre Carter. Yeah, that's a lot. The other Jordan's going to come attack me in the comments now, uh, yeah. but I asked him, you know, like, what do you think about these guys that are a little bit turn to the pass it? The, the defensive end position becoming a little bit more than just a, a, a forward shaped vector, you know, where it's just get after the quarterback. I was like, last year we saw, you know, Aiden Hutchinson get dropped back into coverage intentionally, put into positions intentionally, and he brought down interceptions. Like he didn't just stop passes from coming. Like they said, we think you can do this. And he did it. I was like, what does that what does that mean for you? Like when you see guys at your position doing that as that evolves. So do you think Jalen Carter is one of these guys that's going to be like that, who is getting his arms up in the up in the air, who is going to be kind of maybe just because he isn't at the quarterback. He doesn't think, oh, this isn't my play to make, you know, or, or what, do you, what kind of a player are we look at? Or is he more of a and I always cop people hate me, but I was called Miles Garrett. He's always my example of like a trajectory pass rusher. Like Miles yeah. Garrett trying to get to the quarterback, and like if, some, if he's throwing the ball, he don't, you know, he's not looking around for that stuff. Usually, he's gotten a little better at it lately. Joey Bosa is another guy doesn't really battle a lot of passes, but do we see Jalen Carter being a, a super disruptive player in a lot of assets and areas, or is he going to be somebody that's maybe just going back there and just getting to the QB?
3: Oh, well, uh, sorry, you mean Will Anderson, correct?
2: But Will Anderson, yes, yeah, yes. I'm sorry. You're good.
3: You're good. Uh Will Anderson, yes, he can drop into coverage. He did that uh at Alabama. Um, he wouldn't do it frequently because obviously you want him rushing the edge, but he is an athletic specimen to be able to do that. Um at the next level, I'm not sure he should be used like that. I feel like Aiden Hutchinson got that because also the linebackers behind him weren't exactly the best in coverage uh in Detroit. But if he gets into a spot where I mean, situationally you can definitely use that. I think he is able to adapt that way but i wouldn't put that unless i mean the texans might be a spot where he would do some of that um but i also think lovey smith might just put him in the bosa role and be like hey you're coming after the passer."
2: that's totally fine And it's just something you know as an idp person it's like i look at defensive players a lot and there's not a lot of guys that can really bounce ideas like this off of so you'll see these guys and i you know we have production profiles in the index and so i'll see a guy whose production profile you know year over year over year you know, he might have like somebody He might have like in six years, he might have two forced fumbles. So I'm like, okay, like this guy, even though he's played 6,000 snaps, he's really not attacking it. Then you might find somebody or somebody that's like that. that only has like an interception. Well, then you'll go to another guy like a Logan Wilson dude has like five or six or seven interceptions. You know what I mean? It's just like every, and he only has like five or six or seven pass deflections. So every mm-hmm. time he gets around the ball, He's actually really sort of intensely making these plays. I start to notice these things. So it's kind of why I brought it up because um, I just wanted to kind of get your idea on what kind of pass rusher we're going to get out of Anderson. But Like you said, I think it all has a lot of it has to do with coaching and situations, too. You know, if a coach thinks a guy can do that and he's like, maybe we're going to trick somebody into this. And that's the thing. That's what makes these quarterbacks throw these picks to T.J. Watt, to Aiden Hutchinson. They're like, oh, what a dummy. This will be easy. And it's just like, nah, like you you took the bait, you know what I'm saying? Hook, line, and sinker. So, uh, Will Anderson, your favorite edge prospect in this class. Um, Spent a little time there. Let's go ahead and move to the linebacker position. This is usually the spot IDP people make their their hay in. You know, this is another position that I love looking at production profiles. You know, are we getting a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, you know, who's going to make all of his signed plays but not really blow up many games? Or are we going to get a guy like Roquan Smith, Who's going to, you know, send people to the hospital and have like four tackles for loss in a game. Like what? So who are we looking at in this class as our top guy? Uh, and who, who do you like and what, what are your thoughts on them?
3: So this one is one that I bounced the idea off of somebody else. This is also something that I, this is a position that I haven't looked intently on as a Panthers fan and also just not my forte. But basically the guy that you want to know is jack campbell from iowa and i do remember watching iowa in general and them making plays all over the place and him in particular making a ton of plays he's a guy that can get over 100 tackles he's someone that he's not athletically gifted to be an elite prospect i think he's going to be a day two type of guy but we're seeing linebackers get asked to drop back in coverage we're seeing them being asked to Play a lot of that Tampa, two that we saw from Lovey Smith early in the early 2000s. I gave Mike Martz a little bit of trouble and Jack Campbell can do that. He can drop in coverage. He's very instinctual. The Iowa defense has a lot of guys from this in particular class that will be making an impact. And I think he is going to be one of them. Um, the, The linebacker position, I don't think, has an elite prospect. Uh, I don't think there's a single guy that should be going in the first round from that position, but I think we see a lot of day two guys, and this is a guy that hopefully finds his way to Buffalo. Honestly, I mean, they lost Tremaine Edmonds, and they need someone that can do these types of things. And he's a you know high machine at tackling. He's had over 100 tackles back to back seasons. He's you know used to that gritty football in the Big Ten, and I think he's just going to be an immediate impact player, but just not an elite linebacker. <clears throat>
2: No, and I think you you nailed it on the head. You know, with this this class overall, that the taste in the mouth, and this isn't to knock the linebackers, but it's just we saw the free agency period. It was like linebacker centric. I mean, there was so many. I don't know if you guys, you know, I, but we're keyed in, you know, as IDP people, we saw so many guys jumping teams, you know, all through the sort of that that spot there, and we saw the prices of linebackers vary a lot. You know, T.J. Edwards gets this much. Um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds gets that much. You know, so and so moves here. So a lot of cheap deals, a lot of replaceable linebacker play kind of being moved around. Cole Holcomb, my guy for my Steelers, we want to talk about some shitty-ass linebacker play. Steelers got a lot of things going for them, but linebackers ain't one, it hasn't been for a minute, um, most unfortunately. Um, even Devin White kind of wants out. We're seeing, you know, and his skill set is he's an old-school linebacker. He's more of a behind-the-line scrimmage guy. He's not really doing much in coverage. Um, actually, I've seen so many highlight plays of people making these insane, awesome catches. and In the background, it's like Devin White just like, yeah, ah, you know, sort of falling all over the place. Uh, the David and Joku catch this last year, like the best one ever. Like Devin yeah. White, just like just falling all over his face. It's it's some pretty funny stuff. Uh, shout, shout out Devin White. He's got me blocked on Twitter. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> from that's from back in the day. I think I said Devin Bush was better, but I'm a Steelers fan. Give me a break, my guy. Give me a break. Um, all right, Jack Campbell's who we have in our rookie linebacker rankings as a top guy as well. So looks like we're doing doing lockstep there. Let's talk about the the defensive back position. Who's your top corner? Who's your top safety? We're about thirty five minutes in, um, we'll, and I had a couple of questions, maybe about some defensive scheme stuff, because I've been listening yep. to you. Uh, you've been doing some stuff on that. So if we've got time, I want to touch on that as well. But who are your top corners, safeties in this class?
3: So nine number one corner is Christian Gonzalez from a coverage perspective. I think he's locked. Like he's an athletic specimen. He is a lockstep with a lot of these corners or receivers. And then I think from a if you want to add in run tackling and being a thumper, Witherspoon from Illinois is phenomenal at that. Like he lays the wood when he's tackling on screens. I think he's more in your face type of corner. While Christian Gonzalez, I think from a technical point of view, will be phenomenal in terms of coverage. I think those two are the clear one and two. This corner back class is phenomenal. I think we might see seven go in the first. Like I think this is a class that has all the talent. I don't think it's as top heavy as last year's class. I think Sauce and Stingley are very are better prospects right away. But I think after Sauce and Stingley, I think this class has seven, eight of the next best guys. And that class had Tariq and that class had some of the better corners that were late in the draft. So Gonzalez and Witherspoon are my top two. And then for safeties, it's clearly uh Brian Brand from Alabama. Um obviously maybe a little biased with the Alabama side of things, but Brian Branch does it all. He can play the slot. He can play the quarters. He can play halves. He can play just single high and be the only guy back there. I think the landing spot that I keep penciling him in and I keep seeing is the Jaguars. And I would love that landing spot. They need help on that back end. And he is a phenomenal player that will be an immediate impact. He's not quite Tyron Matthew, but I think you can move him around like that chess piece where he can do a lot of things from uh, coming down into the box, being outside the box, playing the slot, playing out wide. He's a multi dimensional safety.
2: Nice, nice, Branch. And, you know, coming back to my Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick, Alabama safety. Um, Then they put out Landon Collins as well. And yeah. there's at least one other pretty good safety. I can't remember his name that's come out last few years. So, oh, Branch, catch. is he going to be more in the mold of, you think, a Minka, or is he going to be more in the mold of a Landon?
3: I think he'd be more in the mold of Minka, where he can play multiple positions. I, I yeah. think he's going to be immediately used that way, and he should be. I, I think a team will get it a safety position is kind of hard to be, well, it doesn't get drafted. It's not a premium position anymore, but I think he gets drafted in the same range that Kyle Hamilton was drafted. And I think he makes more of an impact right away than Hamilton made in his time in Baltimore.
2: Really? So you think he's still probably going to be a first round guy?
3: Yeah. I think like, he'll be a
2: few years ago. We didn't have a first round safety. I think it was Javon Holland went at the, the top second. of the second. And then yep. last year we had Kyle Hamilton, but then it was like pretty quiet until the second round. I think um, and Hamilton went pretty high too. Wasn't he like seventh or eighth overall or something? Or was it 16?
3: No, he was remember.
2: in the later cause they went,
3: um, and they got Hamilton. They got both of those in the first round in the, like the teens. I think that's where we'll see Brian branch. Like the Jaguars are a really easy spot to put them. I think the Vikings would be into him if they decide to change their approach on Harrison Smith um I also think that you have the Giants or another team that needs secondary help and he would be a very good player to add in that defense and the
2: way they play things. So Giants secondary is kind of weird to me cuz I mean like we thought Xavier McKinney there there's the other uh, Alabama, the Alabama state yep. too. So there's yep. one right there. I said he didn't really hit as much as I wanted to. I know he's coming off an injury. I like Julian Love but they kind of shipped him out of town pretty quick after I thought he came on kind of hot last year. Uh, but I trust the coaching staff there now, um, you know, if they can get rid of Kenny Galladay. Is he still around? Uh, but, uh, yeah, safety position, just to kind of touch on that, if anybody, you know, IDP, you know, shifting out of this year, go look for Kyle Hamilton because Chuck Clark is gone, Deshaun Elliott is gone. I don't really know what's up with P.J. Williams. We know they don't like to play their like their rookies a lot necessarily. That's kind of just a franchise thing, a team thing, organization thing. So Kyle Hamilton doesn't have a lot on paper from last year. He did get a lot of love from PFF, et cetera. But as far as, like, fantasy-wise, um, you can probably sneak him off somebody's team pretty cheap still right now. So so, uh, so Brian Branch is your top safety, and then you have Christian Gonzalez and then Devin Weatherspoon. Those are your top two corners. Yep. Excellent, excellent. And we might as well. We've covered every other position. What do you know about this offensive line this year? Who's the Who's the big beefy guy everybody wants to protect their QB with?
3: I've seen a lot of Paris Johnson love. Um I think it's going to be between Paris Johnson, the Northwestern guy, I can't it's his name slipping off the top of my head, and then Broderick Jones as the top 3 tackles drafted, but the draft, the tackle that I'm in love with is the or Darnell Wright. You can go back to the Tennessee Alabama game if you want to see him matched up with Will Anderson. There are a few times where he went one-on-one with him and shut him down, and I didn't see that much throughout Will Anderson's career. But in that particular game, he was phenomenal. Uh, I think he's going to be the tackle that ends up being the best right away for this class. And I think he gets, you know, probably plugged in at right tackle, which is probably going to be why people don't want him. Uh, they want the left tackle, the Paris Johnson, the bigger guys. But similar to what Tristan Warf's experience, where he wasn't the first tackle taken in his class, but he was clearly the best
2: tackle when we look back towards it. Darnell mm-hmm. Wright would be my guy from Tennessee. All right, there we go. Well, I appreciate your insights, my guy. I feel honestly, I mean, it's the Monday of draft week. I'm getting oriented. I'm finding my north stars. Um, you know, I appreciate your insights. Like I said, you're when you gonna put out your mocks? I want to, I want to check it out.
3: Probably Thursday. Thursday morning is when I'll be, we get it done. It's the day of the draft. I'll wake up, I'll have all the information that I could possibly need, and I'll go get every pick wrong. And outside, probably the first. I think this is the first year where the second pick is the hardest pick to predict. And it's
2: it's fun. I like it. It's it's fun. It, the, the, it's one of those things where you really start to understand, like, the narratives do play a big role in everything, you know, because the information, the data, the data hasn't really changed since the combine, you know, but no. you're rumbling, you hear whispering, and you start to see, you know, solidifying opinions, you know, you find this information, and the information's out there, but maybe not everybody's seen it. So that's kind of where this is, is we're all organizing our information, we're sharing our information with each other, kind of learning from each other and all that. So, we have a few more minutes. Again, I appreciate you taking the time. So, I wanted to pull up a few kind of just random draft ish type questions now. Um, Well, actually, before that, I actually, since I have you here, I want to talk about some defensive scheme stuff. So, I know you and um, Hilo, right? Hilo, hilo. I thought I said hilo. Hilo, Hilo. Man, I'm so bad pronunciation. Jesus, Louise. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about defensive schemes and that's kind of a broad thing, right? So I wrote down Tampa two here and I question I put a question mark and I circle that. So tell me a little bit about uh, Tampa two and like, what does that really mean and how does that affect the players that are in it and what kind of players are, uh, succeed in that um, and what kind of teams are running this right now?
3: So in the NFL today, there's a lot of too high. And what that means is two safeties back and, the way your safeties defend, you can go either um, in too high, you can have cover two, which cuts the field where your safeties are getting the deep portions of the field um, in half because it's cover two, two safeties back. And in this particular, in Tampa two, what happens is the linebacker, instead of staying closer to the line of scrimmage, the linebacker gets, if you think of the hashes, you know, the two lines that they have mm-hmm. to stay inside, the linebacker basically shoots back, and stays um, guarding that hash, like hash to hash in the middle of the field. Watch Fred Warner in the game against the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, guarding CeeDee Lamb when CeeDee Lamb ran a seam route. um, And basically, Fred Warner's job was backpedaling and turning and seeing CeeDee Lamb and defending him in that spot. That is what Tampa 2 looks like on paper. Um, The NFL is going to a lot of too high stuff, a lot of stuff where you're mixing and matching your safeties after the ball is snapped. So it's, co- it's called Quarters uh, Cover 4, which mm-hmm. cuts the deep portion of the field into fours. You can thank Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen for making that very popular just because of their arm talent and what they were doing to teams because prior to them, teams would play a lot of Cover 1. Cover 1 is just having one safety back, usually man across the board. And when you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and you're playing Cover 1, good luck because that led to a lot of deep touchdowns. Um, the most popular coverage in the last five years has been cover three because of the legion of boom and cover three is where your corners, basically they're responsible for the deep third. You have one safety staying back and then one of your safeties drops into the box and plays like a linebacker hybrid type of role. That is a coverage that teams have figured out. You want to get basically deep crossing routes a lot. You see that the NFL is an ever evolving game where legion of boom happened. But then all of a sudden you can't be as handsy with your corner. So it makes that coverage necessarily more difficult to play. And then as a result, teams are like, okay, well, now we know where to throw. We know where to hit some of our guys. And you see the Miami Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle just abuse cover three. Um, so teams went to quarters against them. And even then, Mike McDaniel found a counter for it because there's a counter to every single coverage. But in general the primary schemes that we're seeing is cover four Um, we're seeing a lot more too high and the reality is is that's why the yards per carry for running backs is higher because teams are playing lighter boxes and passing rates are extremely high so the nfl is ever evolving a team like atlanta is going to be a problem for teams it's going to get teams out of their norm and why like the 49ers if you watch back the falcons dominated the 49ers (laughs) That doesn't make any sense when you think of how good 49ers are, but they dominated the 49ers because the 49ers weren't used to a smash mouth team just running the ball. (laughs) They're trying to defend teams from throwing the ball and using their pass rushers. So that's kind of uh, the gist to sum it
2: all up and make it a little bit more digestible. Wow. Wow. I appreciate that. And, you know, you even as somebody who doesn't understand necessarily and isn't able to digest that from what I'm seeing, I in my head can see certain teams. I'm like, okay, like like you said, the 49ers are a great example. And then I go back to the players like you have to have certain players to run certain schemes effectively like you can't do what Fred Warner does with a certain type of like Jerome Baker. You put Jerome Baker, I mean, like, I, like you said, Miami. And I was like, you know, like there's the thing. It's like everybody's not the same, you know, even if they have the same size, weight, blah, blah. It's like some guys just can do things a little differently. So it's about matching these guys up in systems like that. Um, and that can affect their fantasy output. That can affect, you know, again, like Tremaine Edmonds, where I kind of dogged him earlier, but it's like he was not a bad linebacker. He's a great linebacker. He plays, you know, basically every down that you want him to. But he's part of that defense where, you know, it wasn't necessarily about making those – disruptive monster plays not necessarily rushing the passer as much but when he is he's effective you know it's much more just about being where you need to be and getting the ball back in the hands of your offense and again it's just based on the guys around you um so yeah i, I really really love that breakdown like you said you don't see that one you know one high safety much anymore you know you really kind of have to quadrant out the field um and again it's based on who you're playing to at quarterback as some of these guys just aren't aren't, aren't so hot these days. Um, yeah. What other question? I have a couple more questions for you. Um, so, what kind of big defense? What kind of big defensive shifts did we see this year on teams? So, like, let me say that a different way. What teams this year's defenses are going to be majorly different how they operate than last year? The Miami Dolphins are the prime example of this. Um,
3: you go from Boyer slash Flores style of play where coming downhill. We're blitzing. We're blitzing. We're playing cover zero. We are going to put our corners in very bad positions and try to win off of it. To Vic Fangio, who doesn't blitz. He wants to get his pressure by rushing four. He wants to allow his safeties to have, hel- or corners to have help and to be able to mix and match his coverages. He's also talked about creating a coverage that doesn't exist currently I'm excited to see it. I don't know what that necessarily means quite yet because I have no, no idea where you can go. But he's spent a year away from football and has been in the lab just watching and learning certain things. Vic Fangio is one of the pioneers of just being a great defensive coordinator. And I'm excited to see Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, and what he can do because I, I think it's going to be a hybrid version of what we see from cover three. And I think he's going to be mixing and matching like, throwing Jalen Ramsey in the slot, throwing Xavier in the slot, keeping them in weird positions where the middle of the field is where everybody's going in the NFL. So you got to find a way to take it away. So I think that's going to be his goal of whatever coverage he's running. So it's, that's interesting. Another team, uh, the Vikings last year, they were arguably the worst defense in the NFL. Um, it was painful to watch how they defended receivers They're not going to defend like that. They're going to blitz a ton. They're going to play man. The Neil Hunter won't be dropping back into coverage. He's going to be coming off the edge. But as a result, they're going to give up big plays. They're just not going to give up the methodical plays. I think they're going to be a team where if they play a bad quarterback, they're going to kill him. They're going to get a defensive touchdown. They're going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to come after him. But... When they play a team that has a very good quarterback that diagnoses quickly or a very good offensive scheme system, they're going to give up shot plays like if Detroit is playing them and Jameson Williams, that's a player that I'll be targeting in that game because I know the deep play will be there for them. Um, They don't have the corners to really defend that type of player. And in general, Brian Flores gives up a ton of 20 plus yard plays. That's who he is. That's what he believes in. And philosophically, actually a good thing for the vikings because he'll create a lot more turnovers than they had this past season
2: yeah yeah are they still going to be i know they put zedarius smith in the middle a lot last year which was kind of weird to me i mean not that he can't do it he's good at it but i'm just like i feel like i want him on the outside but is that more like because they just didn't really have a good interior guy or or do you see him being more on the outside again this year i know he also wanted to leave but i don't think he's going to but who knows you know we're still kind of early
3: I mean, if he doesn't leave, he's going to be on the outside and he's going to be just coming after the quarterback. And I think they'll be using him a lot in like stunts and stuff. I mean, Flores has a blitz rate that is like 15% higher than the league average or 20% higher. Like in the NFL today, you have the, the Sala-Vangio type of scheme where it's like, we want to play seven in coverage, rush four and get pressure with four. And then you have like the Martindales, the Flores is the that are just coming after you. And then some schemes that are just unique in their own way with like Jim Schwartz, or you've got obviously Bill Belichick and there's not many defensive, uh, Patriot disciples floating around anywhere. Flores doesn't really run the Patriot scheme. He doesn't, he didn't really get the talent to do so. And he just, he blitzes a lot more than Bill does. That's for sure.
2: They all were all the prodigal sons end up returning home to old daddy, Bill. Yep. Daddy help me. I need a job. Don't worry, son. I'll take good care of you. Um, exactly. all right. Well, I wanted to, before we're getting out of here, and we're about to wrap it up, I appreciate your time again, Jordan. It's been awesome. Hope you have a really good draft week, draft process, and I look forward to looking at your mock. I have only looked at like one so far, but I'm definitely going to check out yours because, you know, Jordan's got to show love to Jordans. Um, But I wanted to circle back just to dot real quick. Now that the Vikings have brought in Flores, you know, you kind of threw a little shade at Harrison Smith earlier, but could we see a season where Harrison Smith gets rushes the passer kind of a lot, you know, because like we saw Brandon Jones, one of my favorite sleepers last couple years ago, was drafted, you know, by the Dolphins, and then he was kind of blew up, you know, because he rushed the passer a lot. And Harrison Smith has always kind of been built like that, you know. He's like my favorite player to watch defensively. Like, he reminds me, like, when I see him on the field, you know who he is. Like, there's a couple of guys when they get in their stance. Mike Evans, when he gets down, he's looking over. Harrison Smith, when he's crawling up, looking at the line. It's just something about it. like it goosebumps we could, could we see some like crazy stuff, like some crazy kind of blitz numbers? Do you think from Harrison Smith this year? Um, just because we know he's not great in coverage. I mean, not trying to shade him or anything, but I mean, their back end's trash and he's not really going to help it much. Um, so do you think we could see something like that? Maybe. Yeah.
3: You're going to see their, back to
2: a fantasy angle.
3: Yeah. You're going to see a lot of three safeties from them. Um, Flores will bring a lot of that and he'll be blitzing his safeties. He did that a lot with Holland. He did that a lot with Rand Jones. That's, who he is. That's what he's going to do. Lewis Seen is a guy that I really like as well, but from a coverage perspective, Harrison Smith's a little bit up there in age. And also I think he could diagnose a little bit faster when coming into the box and Lewis Um, I think both of them are going to be blitzing plenty. I think they might even add a third, which again, I don't think Brian branch should be their pick in the first round, but if they were to add him having those three rotate with each other and Brian branch being the primary that comes and defends the slot instead of the nickel corner, you get him, it would be a little bit more fun to see what they would come up with. I think Flores is going to be blitzing all their safeties. plenty.
2: All right. Hell yeah. Well, that's that's wheels up for Harrison Smith. That's one of our guys. Like I said, he's like my favorite safety to watch in the league or my favorite defensive players. Uh, And that's it for me. IDPR Army fantasy fanatics. Everybody. If you're watching on YouTube, smash that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast feed, you can do that as well. Run over to Patreon and you can get the rankings, join the discord, all that fun stuff. Be sure you follow my man Jordan here, read his work. I'll be sure to retweet out his, uh, his mock draft for y'all. So we can all kind of bathe in the glory of one last mock draft together before we get to the real deal. Um, And yeah, any final words before we say adieu to the people?
3: No, I appreciate, you know, having me on and stuff. Uh, You can find all my work at the 33rd team.com. Jordan Vanek DFS on Twitter. It's every, uh, It'll be Tuesdays and Thursdays. You will see uh, the cover five show that I will be doing with Hilo. we got some big things in store there and a lot of talk on defensive schemes. And once we actually have the draft wrapped up, we'll be able to provide a little bit more in depth of who we think is going to be improving as a defense and who do we think will be attacking early on in
2: the season. Nice, nice. Yeah, I can't enjo- endorse that enough. Like, you guys know me. I don't consume a lot of content. I try to consume stuff that gives me a unique perspective. Have definitely been diving into the defensive schemes with Hilo and Jordan here. And it's been eye-opening, and it's, it's something else to add to my tool belt as I, you know, keep bringing the IDP fantasy stuff to the forefront. So, um, that's all for me, y'all. Until next week, or until later this week, I guess uh, stay, stay good. Stay out of trouble. And, uh, yeah. Peace out.